0: Exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, We're sharing their stories, their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Hello and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with my guest today, Chip Brown. Now, Chip, do you go by um, Roger? Because I noticed that pop up, but on Facebook, you're just Chip.
1: Yeah, it's a nickname.
0: Oh, okay. So, because then I want to be like, Roger, Roger, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. He, I like how you just kind of, you've heard that joke before.
1: <laughs> Roger Dodger, Roger Ramjet, right, you know. But Okay, chip, yeah. Please.
0: Sorry about that. Like, I have a friend named Roxanne and I'm always like, Roxanne, you know, and I'm sure she loves that. So to the listener, I apologize if my voice is a little bit more scratchy. I was just telling Chip or Roger, that I am still um, recovering from my daughter's graduation and my son getting married. And it has been a lot of activity. And I I think I bruised the bottom of my feet from dancing. <laughs> but we had fun, yeah. <laughs> so do you like to dance, Roger or Chip?
1: Yeah, um, so I was on the ballroom dance team at BYU.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, you got this. We just had our daughter sign up for ballroom dance um, so that, you know, she can uh, flirt with some
1: boys. (laughs) Well, that was my goal, too, but
0: not with boys. Right. To to flirt with with girls. But, you know, it's a necessary skill going to college to learn how to flirt. Oh, I thought you were going to say learn how to dance. Well, learn how to dance, yes, but those are good things. But she needs to learn how to flirt because in high school she compares all the boys to her dad who was a finished product who was not you know a 16 year old boy so she's just she'll start being like oh he's fun and then she's like whatever he's not serious enough about school so we're working on her on that
1: mm-hmm. well ballroom dance is definitely uh, a mixer
0: yes well so that's good so that was my husband I probably because he flirted with lots of girls in in uh, ballroom dance back in his day but that is not mm. where he met me, but he did meet me at a dance. Mm-hmm. See? See? Yeah. Yep. But in Washington, D.C. Okay. So um, you're a software developer. You also do um, oh, singing, which I thought was fascinating. You uh, you do a lot of musical performance. And I wonder if I've seen you in the Savior of the World. Has that been recently you've been doing that? 2018,
1: 2019, 2022.
0: I might have seen you.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah. there are there are two casts.
0: Oh, stinky pants.
1: If you can remember the day you went, I could say, yep, I was
0: there. Well, I could I could take time to look it up. So we'll do that. We'll do that after. But let's just for the sake of a good story. You were you were the one that I got to see.
1: Hmm. Well, <laughs> I could I could do my line and it might remind you, you know, OK, it's
0: like, OK here Crap. wait wait! i feel like i should do a drum roll to lead up no
1: to no 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 no! oh no okay let's see no dang it i i
0: don't remember my freaking line it's i threw it's you it. off i threw you off
1: well it's my fault i'm the one set this setting this who set this up and i'm thinking okay the line's got to be right there and for some reason the the line for to us to tell this born. but that is not it, it it's a not good that. one though
0: yeah it's a good line
1: yeah, it's it's uh. So I act. I I played, uh, the Prophet Malachi, mm-hmm. and I uh, in the first act, and and my my.
0: Oh no! Your internet the, froze. Wait, say that again. Your internet froze.
1: Okay, so played the Prophet
0: Malachi, and then.
1: My announcement from heaven, quote unquote was the uh the the prediction of, of John the Baptist. Uh, and you would think that as I talk about it, it would come to me and it's not coming to me. But Malachi, if you're reading Malachi, there is a, a verse in there where uh he predicts that uh, um, another would come, a messenger would come and you know, preparing the way for, for the Savior, and so that's my line. Okay. And, um, well, see that
0: way it was better. You gave us context.
1: Yeah. So uh, and and uh, and then and then it goes on. So the very first act talks about the John, you know, the Zacharias and and his wife uh, Elizabeth waiting for not being pregnant. And, you know, wishing and that's the very first act. By the way, Act One of this. So just a little context here. Savior of the world is a production that's that's performed um, produced. By the by, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, and they—it's been like around for twenty years. And they—they um, they originally had a an act. Uh, uh, it's a musical, and uh, they had one for Christmas, and they had one for Easter. And there for a little for a little while, they did both. But then they went, "Wow, oh, this is too much work." So they took, get this—they took the Christmas musical and they condensed it into act one and they took the Easter musical and they condensed it into act two. Mm-hmm. So, so here's the iron and so, and then we just do it in Christmas time. And there's like 30 shows, 15 per cast going from like uh, Thanksgiving day to New Year's Eve. And except for the, the one week where the, the tabernacle choir is performing their Christmas concert. So we're, we're, right. uh, dark that week, but but here's what's interesting. So you go to act one and you watch it and it closes with the birth of the savior. That's the last scene. And it's a cool shot, by the way. Yeah. You've seen it. All right. You know this already. Right. But, but anyway, the
0: viewer may not. I mean, we yeah. have, we have a fair amount of listeners. So. Yeah. Pretty
1: okay, good. good. All right. So then act two begins. Now remember Easter it's the story of the resurrection. You got to keep that in mind. Right. So act two begins with men rolling the stone in front of the tomb, closing the tomb of Jesus Christ who had just been buried. Right. So think of that for a second. Act one, you go on intermission, you take, take a break there during intermission, you come back and you've jumped from the birth of Christ all the way to the death of christ and you have well, and the
0: grieving well as a woman what i really appreciated about it it was very much a, the woman's experience you know the the lead up to how mary is feeling to carry a child that's not joseph's what that ramification could be to her and her society so i'm like whispering this to my daughter just to make sure she's getting how fortunate it worked out for Mary and the character of Joseph. And then, you know, the lead up to the wedding and then, you know, the birth and all this kind of stuff. This is act one. Yeah. Yeah, Act act one. one. And then act two for me, I, I guess I didn't really realize how it starts with that signal of the empty tomb. I mean the, excuse me, the, the, the full tomb, the closed tomb, but it's this, the grief of a mother, of the loss of her child, the grief of women. And that was very poignant for me because I buried a child, not the savior of the world, but I've buried a child. And so that that, those days of loss, you know, really connected for me in that. And then of course the joy of the resurrection, can't wait.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying. The the emotions, the dynamics of the intricacy of the emotions of all the players in act one and 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 Joseph and the, how he responds, it's so interesting because you really live through this and go, Whoa, he probably did feel that. <laughs> like yeah, whoa, yeah. he probably yeah. did feel that. So it is really very helpful for that. And then act two. So I gotta jump back to my 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 involvement here act 2 i changed into a role of a disciple of jesus christ and so i got to be in the uh the upper room scenes ah, where, okay where he appears now yeah here's here's what's really interesting the man who was cast as christ is a dentist about 100 yards south of here
0: <laughs> well, he had clean teeth. That is, he sure did.
1: But they don't show his teeth. They actually don't show the face ever. I was
0: on the very, very, very back row. Uh huh. Because and you I noticed didn't... his teeth? No, I didn't. But because oh. I was recovering from foot surgery, so I was oh. the wheelchair row.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. So that's
0: why it could have totally been you, and it could have totally been the other person, and it would look the same to me because you guys were so far away. Yeah but I got a full set of the the stage.
1: Yeah. So in final, we can, we can move on. But uh, the last thing I want to mention is in my opinion, the best performance to go to is a Saturday matinee performance. Oh, I'm going to say maybe two weeks into December. And it is the ASL performance. Yes. And oh my gosh. So So do they have
0: the interpreting up on stage? Yes. That's how it's supposed to be done
1: a little yeah and then but here's the really cool part so throughout the whole thing and it's awesome it's beautiful and then uh the very 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 last scene where we're all on the stage singing to the audience we've been trained to sign the closing song oh. and so we all sign that oh. and i have gosh i gotta tell you
0: chip do you it, know that i know sign language Oh, I didn't. I am fluent in American Sign Language, oh variation of ASL. So, yeah, I would ball like a baby. Oh I'm my, going God. to that next time.
1: Oh, 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 oh! Please, please, please! That you got. I'm, I'm really glad that we're talking about this because you're gonna, you're gonna really appreciate. You're gonna, you're gonna say to yourself, "Okay, I gotta come back each year to this yeah. performance." Um. And now I don't. I'm 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 trying not to 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 control too much here, but I I want to throw. Oh, this it's your,
0: your conversation. You're totally oh, in. All
1: right, yeah. okay, good. I'm
0: just so, here to talk to you.
1: Oh, all right, all right. So another thing that I'm thinking of is another production. It's, and you may have heard of it. It's called the Lamb of God.
0: Yes. Okay, I actually haven't seen the Lamb of God yet. Okay. I so, feel a little bit like a bad person that I have not seen it yet.
1: Oh, well, I, I want to, I want you to not be feeling that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know,
1: <laughs> um,
0: why is that? Why have I not seen it yet?
1: All right. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not in judgment nor am I in credit criticism or none of that.
0: I'm just teasing. I don't think you would be, but it's kind of like when we went and saw savior of the world, last year i was like oh we got to do this all the time yeah it should be part of our um and then the whole thing about how easter should be as big a deal as christmas right and i'm like a hundred percent because it always bothered me that easter was reduced down to easter bunnies like the resurrection of christ was depicted in culture by easter bunnies and so i've really made an effort since our daughter passed away that the kids get caitlin baskets and it's like what is that so instead of Easter baskets, they get caitlin baskets the name of their little sister that oh okay got it and so we're celebrating everyone we're gonna get to see again so there might be a little gift in there from grandpa chuck you know from grandma winnie you know grandpa gary yeah so there might be like a little note or a little remembrance or something that oh grandpa Grandpa Gary loved this. That was his favorite treat. You know, oh. so they're getting things that are because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. Right. That they will get to it. see these individuals again. And then that way, when they go to school, they're like, Hey, what'd you get in your Easter basket? And the kids are like, I don't know about Easter baskets, but in my Caitlin basket, I got da 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 da. Oh, you know? my. So that's what I've done. And though I have images of spring around my house, cause I love to decorate. I also went out and got, made sure I got images of the tomb mm-hmm. and the empty cross and things like that. You know, I made yeah. a trip to Hobby Lobby. Nice. Yes. Which reminds me of a story that I think you'd really appreciate that we'll get into the Hobby Lobby Easter story. But I want to go back to what you were saying about the lamb of God.
1: Okay. Okay. So, uh, the creator, Lamb of God, uh, the musical, uh, well, I I don't think you should call it a musical is Robert Gardner. He he lives down in Arizona and Uh he's, he's young on his mission. He composed this thing and it is fantastic
0: on his mission. He composed it.
1: Yeah. I mean, he he wrote most of it on his mission type thing and, and it is fantastic. And so,
0: he, now, I've heard uh, the music, but I've never been to a performance. I have a a CD. Okay, good. Of the Lamb of God. So I'm familiar with the music. Okay, I've just have never been to the performance.
1: Awesome. The reason I'm thinking of this is because the ASL performances of Lamb of God are also very okay. moving, and that's what made me think of this. So, um, but well,
0: I actually think the ASL American Sign Language. And I'm open to think that there are variations incorporating other forms of sign language, but not British sign language, because that you have to find the alphabet with two hands. That's way too much work. That's God doesn't want us to work that hard, (laughs) but um, are the, the, the language of heaven. That's, that's pretty much my belief because in spoken language, you have to interpret what your emotion is in your head and find the word that goes with that i I totally get
1: what you're saying i get it right
0: and that can take a fair amount of education to have a diversity of words other than just i'm mad right now i'm mad right where in asl you can be a three-year-old and show how mad you are so it can be you know a little sign or it can be a you know raging And it's like, oh, so you really lost your lid. Okay, let's, you know, so you can show the expression of how happy or how sad or how mad or how frustrated. And it's not considered melodramatic like it would be in hearing or spoken language. It's part of the language.
1: I get it. And I never thought of this. And, uh, And I will add a little bit also from what I'm seeing also. And that is when we talk, we're, we're going through our head, man. It is our head, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm really not into kind of being too much in, in your head. You know, I'm really into the concept of being in your heart. Like that's it. Uh, and so here we're using our brain to kind of think and process. And, but when you're doing ASL, you're not really having to be lost in your head and thoughts and everything, interpreting, thinking. You know, you you can just be raw emotion, and from my opinion, it's like the closest thing to like intuition or like ESP or whatever, whatever sixth sense, wherever, however you communicate spiritually to another human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, telepathy. You know, I yeah, mean, it's, it's it's close to being telepathy.
0: only language. Signed languages are the only languages that use both sides of the brain. They flow back and forth, which uh, goes I along love with that. what you're saying, right? I love that. So it uses the visual part of the brain. You know, not just the language center of the brain or the communication yeah. center.
1: Yeah.
0: Every part, the brain is all lit up when you're doing ASL. Yeah. And when you're receiving or listening to ASL, yeah. we call it receiving, and it flows, and it's so cool. And I, I'll never forget the first time I was in a room where sign language is happening. And I was looking around and I was understanding it all. And I've heard other missionaries or people who've learned other languages that be like that moment that, you know, they're like, I have enough of the language that I'm understanding what's happening around me. But with ASL, I could glance to my left and see conversation understood. I could look in front of me. I could look to the side. I could look across the room. And it felt like I was connected to that whole room where in spoken language, I would not plus I'm just a teeny bit hard of hearing, not a whole lot, but it's been enough that in a group situation, I can feel very disconnected. Right. But here I'm having the opposite experience. I'm connected to the whole room in a way that spoken language could never happen. Yeah. And it, frankly, music has never really been like a thing for me, my mom, um, decided music was bad. And so it was very controlling about, it. so I didn't grow up listening to a lot of music. Um, and she was very controlling about what I was allowed to listen to. And so my inclination was not to turn on the radio because I wasn't allowed to, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so then of course I go and live in the outbacks of Alaska and the Grand Canyon and you're not going to like boom music when you've got birds.
1: Mm.
0: Right. And then I served a mission for my church. So it wasn't until I was like in my late, you know, mid 20s that I was like, oh, I'm a little weird, but I had sign language. And to me, sign language is my music. Does that make sense? Yeah, because my my kids love music and they think I'm so weird because I'm more into listening to words, Mm -hmm. you know, but when I really want to like just let things flow, I want to see sign language.
1: I love that. It is so moving, and and I when I experienced the ASL of Lamb of God or Savior of the world, I actually like, I don't get it, but I love this, and I just feel so connected, you know, with with in communication there, it just takes it to another level. That yeah. that's why that that performance is so different from from all the rest, and it it, it the meaning. The the meaningfulness of it, it it, it really, I really understand what you're saying. And, and from my own experience, I get it. I I don't.
0: Expressiveness of if signing is done correctly, emotion is shown. You cannot be a monotone in American, in a, in a signed language. You have to be expressive. Nice. And so it's funny because people that ask me as a speaker, they say, oh, it's really sad that you're not able to use your ASL or your sign language. And I'm thinking, but you're complimenting mm. me on how expressive I am. Mm. That is my sign language. That Oh, good point. There is a, um, a a jump that everybody who learns sign language as an adult will talk about having to learn you know, when you're really getting into the language of learning how to be a little bit unhinged in your facial expressions, Mm. because in spoken language, there's a certain parameters of what is normal. Uh And we cognitively or subconsciously, I guess, just kind of know that barrier. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was really difficult because my grandmother was, and you know, they're really into you never draw attention to yourself. And, you know, don't be an attention whore. And I kind of have a little bit bigger personality than some. So I got in trouble a lot for being an attention whore. And so I'm in the missionary training center and I'm trying to sign along with my group of missionaries or my district, as they call it. And everybody's looking over at us because we were kind of off to the side to the front, you know, so the people that were deaf in our group could be seeing, well, you know, could be seeing the interpreter. So we're at the front of you know, this room of hundreds of missionaries and I stopped signing. And my companion, the person I'm assigned to be with all the time was like, what are you doing? And I was like, people were looking at us. And she's like, yeah, cause we're signing stupid. <laughs>
1: she,
0: she was deaf. So stupid is not terribly word. <laughs> um, he's just, and I was like, Oh, I'm actually supposed to be an attention whore in this moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I had to like kind of switch my brain It was okay to have people look at me. And it took me a long time to get used to that being part of the language and then getting the freeingness that I could be fully expressive.
1: I get it. Interesting. Wow, that was a transition for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a big transition. But I imagine as a performer that you have to do the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. And and interesting you bring that up because. The experience of ASL in Savior of the World, it's a performance production, is slightly different than the experience of ASL for Lamb of God. And I'm going to explain. And that's what you were just talking about. There is the uh, the ASL person interpreting what is being said, but there's acting going on and there's uh, on the stage. But that's what Savior of the World. Lamb of God, on the other hand, is is different because there's no acting per se, but there are singers. And they, as you, as you know, there is the, the singer for uh the accuser, the, the the vocalist for for Peter, the vocalist for Mary, and you know, all of these, they're soloists. And what's really interesting is to watch ASL while they're singing, because they're not acting, they're just singing. And so you can therefore turn your attention over to the ASL stage and they are performing. It's yes. basically what you said. Mm-hmm. And you everybody during the ASL, the Lamb of God, everybody's watching. Just watching the ASL people because yeah. they, are, they are dramatic. They're like unhinged. Yeah. I, I get it. But you know, they is are, in
0: English a bad word. Yeah. but. You know, if you're like, oh, okay, you know, you're going to make this facial expression to go along with whatever sarcasm you want to throw into that phrase. Right. And in ASL, when you're interpreting, which I I actually have my degree in sign linguistics, it's an associate's degree, but you take on the persona of what you are. So if you're hearing a feminine voice, you're going to act more feminine. And of course, this is true with a male interpreter as well. You would act more feminine. If you are hearing a male voice, you are going to male or female, you're going to act male. So you might puff up your shoulders. You might, you know, make, make more, um, you know, manly type of gestures to like more dainty gestures. And I do the same thing in English when I'm taking on the persona, I will, Oh, well, she said, and then, you know, I'll kind of, Oh, well, it's all right. I'm fine. And you know, if someone's familiar with sign language, they'll laugh because they'll know that I have just brought my sign language over to my English. Got it. That I will, I will kind of mimic the persona of the person I'm, you know, if I'm quoting them.
1: Yeah. And a little add thing, uh, uh, they have uh, like a one-to-one relationship between signers and the soloists. And so when it is the soloist for Peter, there's, there's that individual who is awesome. there very when good when there's one for mary it's that individual who's representing mary and so so when there are multiple singing at the same time we have multiple pers- persona Perfect.
0: that's how and- it should be done if you have the interpreter you know if you have the bandwidth of interpreters yeah. it's less much less confusing if you have um, a male interpreter for a male you know, person.
1: Yes. And uh so a little bit of context, we can jump on to something else. Uh Lamb of God. Uh so he he licenses, Robert Gardner licenses and and people and and community choirs and on have picked it up like all over the place. You can see performers of the Lamb of God, like along the Wasatch front here in Utah. Probably five or six different shows. There's like one down in Orham High School, and the group is uh uh the witness music group there's there's one uh japer philharmonic performs that they used to perform it at braveno hall there's there's the davis county interfaith uh up in salt like they perform in the tabernacle this performance
0: awesome
1: it's, it's all over the place you know and very cool and, and if you're really into it man you can pop in to all of these anyways the witness music one is a uh, a local organization called witness music they actually have other witness music groups around the U S that perform Lamb of God each, each Easter. Um, And, and so they, they're the ones that I have seen this, the amount of the ASL uh, and ASL performance, they have the, the number of personnel that supports that. And I throw that in just because I don't think those other, yeah, those other ones don't have uh, an ASL performance. uh, But but witness music does so
0: okay well that's the one i have to go to yes so, plus yes. i love their name witness that's such a yeah. good baptist term yes you know, i witnessed which takes me to my hobby lobby story which will be our next topic okay right. so i was in hobby lobby and i was not liking some of the cutesy like easter decor you know i wanted to find a, a more profound tomb core item because I had like this little teeny one, but I was like I wanted a bigger one. I knew where I wanted to put it. And so I asked somebody and this woman we started talking and as I am apt to do, <laughs> I communicate with people everywhere I go. And so I was saying, yeah, I'm not quite liking this one. I could you have it? And she ended up finding one for me and somehow she said something about um the the LGBT people. the the gay, no, she said the, uh, she used the word I don't like to use, she used the Q-U-E-E-R word. I don't like to use that because from my era, that is a hateful, you know, slur, you know, like F-A-G is a hateful slur for my youth. And so when I hear it, it's grating to me because I heard it like you would hear the N-word, you know, and the first time I ever heard the N-word was in a movie, you know, Um, probably Roots or something like that, which uh, did you ever see the, the root, the mini series Roots? I don't think I watched that. Well, that was my exposure to slavery. I was probably eight or nine and it was very traumatic, but it goes through um, a gentleman who's been captured in Africa all the way to his family, his posterity being freed.
1: Yeah. Do you remember his name, his African name?
0: Um, I know it's going to be a name, uh.
1: It's pretty cool. I can't remember it, and okay, and, but I remember. I remember because he kept
0: because in the movie or the miniseries he keeps being like, "My name is da da da," you know. But it's it's uh, it's not Joe or Roger, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. If I heard ridiculous. it, I probably would be like, "That's the guy from Roots," you know, because it was a big thing. Anyway, this woman used to me what is a a, a slur, you know. I was like, oh kind of shocking to go from a conversation about the empty tomb and you know, Mm. she's like, these people are, and I was like, these people, let's, let's look at what we're saying here. And I said, if you're pushing people away and she had expressed, you know, a, a love of God, you know, in our conversation. And then she's, you know, being angry at the, the the trans community for what they were doing and I said you know if we believe in Christ and I don't I don't think her religious persuasion was the same as mine because she had a cross which people who are members of the Church of Christ Latter-day Saints don't typically wear uh, a cross it it can happen but we typically have other symbols we wear um you know for me I I wear a, a CTR ring that's you know choose the right we get when we're eight years old you know. So anyway, but I said, you know, if we really believe in Christ, we believe, agree or not agree, that we need to be the open arms. Because if we push people away from our activities and, you know, our circle, then they have nowhere to go but deeper into whatever culture is open to them, whatever group is open to them. And so we need to be remaining kind and including And it was really beautiful because she is like, I never thought of it like that. And she resolved there in Hobby Lobby to be kinder to people she didn't agree with, you know, and it was like, well, good, you know, and I just thought, you know, we need to make sure that we're, we're not creating these, um, exclusionary groups. And I know that you do some volunteerism with this community. So I thought it'd be a good way to bring this up that, um, You know, on one side, you're told you have to agree and affirm and not everybody may agree with those lifestyles and not everybody agrees with my lifestyle of waiting till I got married. Now, I, I am very open about the fact that I was sexually abused, but I don't consider that having had consensual. So that didn't count. Does that make sense? But waiting till I got married to have, um, intimate relations, I would not be going around telling everybody you have to agree with me and live your life that way you know, that's how I chose to live my life. But we do need to find as people who love God to find a way that we can say, I totally have a place for you and I care for you. And you're a, you're a part of my circle, regardless of what you choose to do in the bedroom. Yep. Did I go too deep there?
1: No, I'm I'm ready to go deeper. Well, uh, according
0: to your bio, you know, I was like, we started talking about that and Easter. And I was like, the Hobby Lobby story is perfect. A perfect transition of how we just need to. But it was just interesting to have this conversation with her to help her realize that you're not loving God. If you're judging so harshly, you push someone out of your circle.
1: Yeah, I get it. And, and, and. It's, it's actually, for me, my experience is, um, there's some, was it nuance or what's the word? Not nuance or some, I can't remember the word, but, uh, so I'll give you a little bit. So I, I, I agree with you. I think like that. Um, the irony of it is though, is that, uh, there there appears to be a little bit of a two sides to this loving and being the definition of love. Okay. So I'll give you a little more context. I have a son who's gay. He is in my home. Um, How his parents have responded to him and shown love is completely different. Now, this happens in my home.
0: You're saying between the 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 set of parents in your home, you both have responded differently.
1: Shown love differently.
0: Shown love differently. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, uh and my wife can't be here to quote unquote uh represent herself. So, I'm you know, I'm going to I'm going to do my best to be fair. Right. But at a high level, there, uh, there's the concept of love and love means I don't judge you. There's another concept of love, which is I do judge you.
0: So then we and, have to go into the definition of judge.
1: Okay. And so I don't judge you. And I agree. And I do judge you
0: and I do it because I love you. Right. Okay work that work that works better for me because judge can be a little bit um only negative but you know as a parent I love my kid even if he um you know took the strips off of the 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 street bumper so you don't see it at night he and his friends you know did that one night and I'm like you could literally cause an accident Mm. and I loved him enough to be like you need to tell them so that we can put those trips back and it could be done properly. And, you know, it cost them 80 bucks. Mm. You know, where I don't think you need to enforce a form of punishment for someone choosing a different lifestyle. But sometimes we have to love enough to say, no, I'm, I'm going to step up and parent you right now.
1: All right. So that's it. So the question is which of us is
0: parenting me or my wife? Well, Even in my, our, our, our kids have been the easiest teenagers to raise where I tell everybody teenagers are really not that bad. I mean, you hear all these horror stories about teenagers, but our kids are like, we'll do two hour scripture study with us on Sundays. I mean, they're just been easy kids to raise. Um, But even in that situation, my parent, my, our parenting style, my husband and I are different. You know, we we would unquote love our kids differently.
1: Yeah, it's exactly. It. I mean, it's like what I'm talking about here because I look at my partner here and say, "You don't love him, you judge him." And then my partner looks at me and says, "You don't love him, you don't judge him, and you should judge him." You know, so mm-hmm. um, it's it's it's, uh, it's complex and. Yeah, uh, and, and the irony of it is, is I, I get my wife's point of view. It's like, dude, is she? You know, looks at me. It's like, dude, you know, the the best thing for our the the best thing for our son is a like a, a heterosexual life with children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the best thing I can deliver my son, and I can't as his parent deliver anything and sponsor and enable and endorse and support anything other than that. And that's how I Mm. love him. Mm. That's love it. When she looks at me and she says, you don't do that for him. You don't do that for him because I, 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 and, and so here we got the right and wrong going on. And then I and I get a lot and that's of,
0: between you and your wife. This, what's the right way to deal with this? Because it is a new, um, a new dynamic that you probably didn't anticipate.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so I go, and I'm sounding a little defensive. I kind of go, I love the reason how I prove that I love him is I don't judge him. I don't treat him as broken. And I don't treat him as that's broken. Right. And, and that right there is a huge perspective difference. Uh, and here's, here's what I, where I'm, I'm getting in trouble. All my son wants is a husband. That's it. And guess what? I am willing. My my son doesn't get out and it's not good. It's not, I mean, he's, he's socially, he's emotionally, it's not good, <laughs> really not good. And so I raised my hand and said, you know what, I am going to, I am going to bring gay men over to just relate with you. Because I got to keep him alive.
0: Frankly. Right. Right. And I mean, he needs social interaction and he needs hope that there's going to be a beautiful future for him
1: exactly and unfortunately there is zero hope right now and i'm like okay that's it i'm I'm i am so here i am a matchmaker for my son i i haven't actively done this it's what i said i'm going to do and boy and i'm ready to do it the matchmaker from my son's husband, for my son and his husband. And my wife looks at me and says,
0: what? are you freaking? No, spaghetti? but that's what that's, I mean, I've already told my daughter, you flirt with him. Like I've already pointed out young men that I think my daughter should flirt with. Not because I'm trying to get her married right now, but because I want her to be noting quality. Right. And, you know, I'm kind of trying to help her you know i was saying earlier how she needs to like she compares everyone to her dad that's pretty to me that seems if you kind of look at it from a bird's eye view that is why not try to pick someone that you can get along with for your kids why not be encouraging them a the direction of someone that you think is ideal
1: well i i see your point of view and uh i can switch to another child to ours and that child uh, brought into her life uh, uh, a man who wasn't up wasn't what my wife wanted for her daughter, and so has it worked
0: out or not?
1: So things happened, Okay. and in in that in that effort in that uh, with that objective now. I, on the other hand, I mean, it's sounding like I like myself. It's sounding like I prefer my approach. I, on the other hand, embraced. I said to my daughter, it is your decision and I will support you. My wife can't can't think like that. Again, it's this, what's best for my child is this. So, but but it's all well, in It,
0: it. it yeah. Sorry, I got excited about this because I'm relating it to my son when he was barely 16. He got really enamored with this girl, like super enamored, and he was. And I heard him say, "I love you," and I was like, "That's a pretty big phrase when you're 16, you know." And I started seeing a lot of things about her that I really didn't like. Like he would ask her permission if he could do certain things. I'm like, not her decision. You know, um, he go out with his guy friends on a Friday night instead of going out with her, you know, stuff like that. So later when they broke up, my son was like, um, my son was like, why didn't you tell me what you were concerned about with her? And I said, tell me what words I could use to gotten you guys to broke up, break up. And he was like, Hmm. I'm like, if I sat you down and said, these are the things I do not like about this person these are some of the red flags I'm seeing. Would you have heard me? And he's like, no, I guess I wouldn't have. And I was like, so do we come up with a code word? Do we, you know, like, you know, we were having this whole discussion in our relationship of what do I, because the relationship and the connection is so valuable that if you say, to me, it feels like if you say to someone, I'm only willing to love you if you do X, Y, and Z. You know, that's conditional love, which I don't know I put love on the end because that's not love. And I was raised in an environment where I am loved if I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and maybe. that's not love. That's conditional acceptance. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's manipulation, maybe.
0: (laughs) Right, and so I think. I mean,
1: unfortunately, it's sold as love, and so that's what's really it's sold as love. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and um, uh, so loving, uh, so which is love, hands on or hands off? Now, um, now, so we have different definitions, and what's ironic is we both look up in our dictionary and say, "See." I'm the one loving and then different dictionary. No, 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 no. I'm the one loving, you know, I'm the one showing love. Anyways, I, I don't, I don't believe it's really totally possible to, to really say ultimately, you know, to go before a judge, say, well, actually this is the, this is the right definition. Yep. I I'm going to throw this in. It's, it's probably a little bit. Um, and that is, I got to say, there's a definition of love from the Old Testament of the Bible. And then there's a definition of love from the New Testament in the Bible. <laughs> yeah and, and that's the one that I'm reading. You know, anyway, that's a low blow. I, I see that's unfortunate. No, but
0: they're they're very they're very different def, different definitions <laughs> because earlier it's performative. Yeah and um, it's kind of this is how I look at it. Because I heard it by Dr. Paul that when a child is little, you mm. exert more control in their life. No, you cannot cross the street. Right. You know? No, you cannot eat that. You know, and as they get older, they get to exert more and more control. So I see the old testament as God teaching his little kids yeah. with lots more control. And then he's giving them higher and higher responsibility and more. Yeah, you you can't quite interpret the law exactly, and I think that is the challenge. Is that in Old Testament God there were very clear definitions yeah. for their t- not for our time when we read it. But if you understand the culture and everything, right. you Christ saying, "Love thy neighbor as thyself." All right? Yeah, and, and the Christ said many
1: times, "You've you've heard it of old that if you." You know, well, thou shalt not kill. But if you even just do this, you, you know, you, you know, you get angry at your brother. You are against. You heard of old. You commit adultery. But if you just look, you know, the Lord was constantly saying, guess what? There's a higher law. And this is it. Guess what? There's a higher law. And this is it. Anyways, I know we got to finish up. And so I want to I want to finish with one story if I can. Absolutely. the. Um, um trust the, I want to tell the story of one of in my life, when I went from being a jerk, this is my conversion, going from being a jerk to being a nice guy, okay. uh, something, something like that. I'm going to tell, I'll tell it really quickly.
0: No, you're you're good. Tell it.
1: Tell All right. It right. So uh, 17 years ago, I had no idea, but I was quite depressed and I did never thought that word. But I was like, flat, emotionally flat? And I didn't totally understand why. And I was at work and a good friend of mine uh, said, you gotta go ch- check this out. He said, I did this thing and it really helped. And I thought, okay, so this thing that I'm talking about, it's called, you may have heard of it before, impact training.
0: Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah.
1: Okay so I knew nothing about it and I went every Wednesday night they have an open house they still do to this day there'll be one tonight as a matter of fact they even do it virtually so you can zoom in on a zoom call but um, and you can you can go there physically or you can be on the zoom call anyways so I go there physically 17 years ago and I sat in the back of this introductory thing and I and I listened to it and I watched it's it a little a little unusual. And I thought, if I can go through this training, and they call it's a three day training, it's an intensive, it's kind of almost like an emotional boot camp. And, right. and and technically, it's actually in the classification of what is called a large group awareness therapy. It's L G A T. That's the technical classification of this type of thing. So I sat in the back and I thought, okay, well, if my life improves the smallest amount. This will be worth it to me. So I went home, I signed, I put deposit me and my wife. I went home told my wife. She said, well, I'm not really into that. I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna go ahead and do it. So I do it a couple of weeks later, they they do it. It's a three-day thing. They do it once a month. And you go in there and I'm sitting there with a group of people. There was like 95 of us in this room and there's one person up in front. So you probably heard, heard these stories. So I'm gonna tell you my experience here. And and it and and I went from being, I almost want to say, an a hole. I mean, but that's offensive, you know. I mean, but that
0: I think people got it,
1: you know. Yeah, that's offensive, but um, but I so. In that first day, they do a thing called ground rules. And, and I was taking notes because I want to share you with know, these three by three, five, five cards. Well, one of the ground rules is don't be distracted by taking notes. You're going to distract other people or you're going to distract yourself. Just don't do that. That's a rule. And you had to agree to it. And I thought, no, this is a great idea. I'm going to take this home and show my wife. Well, I, I raised my hand, and, the, and that one facilitator came down to, to me, and I thought to myself, hmm, this isn't going to go well. And and here's here's Chip the Jerk. And this facilitator came and asked a question of me and I responded with a question. And he said, I was I went by Roger that um, for that training. Uh, He said, Roger, who asked the questions here? And then Mm -hmm. my response was, well, you say you are. And immediately he said, get out. That was the beginning of my life turning around 180 degrees because I left. I said to him, I want a full refund. I went out the back door. All these other people are like going, whoa, what just happened? You know, 95 yeah. people watching me go out the back door. Well, at the back door, it's not the exit of the building. It's actually exit into a hallway. And the owner of that company, her name's Sally Berger, I think Berger, she said, come here. I want to talk to you. And so I went into her office. She said, what happened? And I said, well, blah, blah, blah. and I was, my mouth was dry. My knees were shaking. You know, I just really had You've to
0: call them the principal's office.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and, but I was like told to leave, you know, you get out of the training right now. And he meant it. And, and so I left, but I sat there and I was talking to her and I was, I was going, I hear my mouth is dry. I said, oh no, just, we're going on these ground rules and I wanted to do this one, keep the notes and everything. But but he came down and talked to me and and, and she said, okay. She and then another guy gets kicked out. So she says, excuse me. So she leaves the office and some and, and I'm sitting there alone in the office. And something says to me, trust him. And I thought, heck no. I am not going to trust that guy. No way in heck am I going to trust that guy. And then it came again. Trust him. I thought, no. like, Didn't you hear me? I just, you know, this is me going on inside of me. Right, right. I said, no, I'm not going to trust him. And then, and then uh, it came again. I thought, oh, no way. So she came back and she said, well, what do you want to do? She said, you can go back in, but you're going to have to agree to that ground rule. And I thought, no, oh, geez. I said, okay, I, I want to go back in. She says, okay, you got to agree. I said, I'll do it. She said, okay. She puts me in the back of this room and nobody knows I'm sitting back there. <laughs> she, she inserts me and shuts the door, you know, and I'm sitting there going, oh, crap. I'm back in this room, standing in the back. And the facilitator finishes his, his statement and he, and he, and he yells. He says, Roger, I told you to leave. Why are you here? And I'm going to start crying right now. And I said, I want to come back. See, I am crying. Um, and so he walked down to me. And he got right in front of me. And he said, Roger, who do I remind you of? Oh, I thought, my mom and I thought I'm not going to tell this guy. He reminds me of my mom. That's that's I'm going to my. So I said my dad, and he and then the next words changed my life. He said, "Roger, if you take me on, you will lose. But if you take yourself on, you will win. Wow. And when you win, I win." And I thought, holy crap! I have never heard more beautiful words in my life. And I just sat there for a moment. and just was like so humbled and everything. And he just smiled and he walked back up to the front. <laughs> and I thought, now what? What am I? What am I supposed to do now? And he said, everybody, give you know, give Roger a round of applause, which they did. And then I still stood back there and 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 they he said, give Roger a round of applause, which I did. And they said, Roger, what's the ground rule? After you've shared and you receive your applause from the group, what do you do? I thought, ding, you sit down. And that was his invitation for me to talk, which I did. And I sat down. My life has never been the same since that moment. And I went from being an untrusting human being to a trusting human being. That was really kind of the key, key down there component. I had projected so much distrust, you know, just project, project, project. It's like he was, there's no way that he can get through that projected distrust, you know, no way. But then through this transition, anyways, I bring that all up because I wanted, I sat there for the next three days and thinking, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is amazing. At the end of it, I thought, uh, I said, you know, if I had to check, I'd write it out for $10,000 because that is exactly the value I got out of this. That was a thought that I had. And then I thought, every human being needs to go through this experience. Everybody. I even thought of the thought, therapy, you know, forget therapy. You know, this, this worked so much. I've never worked harder on myself in that three day period, just sitting in the freaking
0: chair. Well, and I love how, you know, a lot of times therapy can be what they did. Somebody out there did to me, you know, where what they focus that in on is how you carried those demons and what, how you are projecting that and ultimately growth, how we love other people how we communicate, you know, bringing it all together here is a projection of what we are dealing with inside (laughs) and how well we love ourselves, love thy neighbor as thyself. You could, I always, I say in my book, um, hotness, you can only give that which you possess. And so if you don't have true love, you can't give that to someone else. You can't project that to someone else. And again, giving it does not mean they possess it, but it means you're throwing it out there.
1: Yeah. You're sharing, you become, yeah, we
0: can't, sadly, we can't, you know, just open up people's brains and hearts and like inject what we want. Right. You know, we don't have that kind of control, but the question is, are we able to just let our demons be work on them and let them work through their demons and let them be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The accountability and responsibility of letting people the boundary, uh, that belongs to you. That's your issue. That belongs to you. This is my issue. This belongs to me. And, and so this, that experience, I've never been the same since. And I, and I'm not, I would not be who I am right this moment and how I'm interacting with you. Had I not experienced, gone through that, that transition, that transformation, it was phenomenal. Uh, and, and I invite everybody to, to check it out because you know, it's, they, they really have developed a, a wonderful program. That's
0: awesome. I've heard a lot of people have a great experience with that. And, um, you know, the more we learn to work on ourselves and to not be looking for other people to validate us, because then when we're asking for outside validation, we're asking for power, we're giving up our power to them. Mm-hmm. And we, as humans, if we are working on ourselves enough, really, that should be the only judgment we have time for.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I always say this, you know, you're familiar with the uh, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, that 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 movie where he repeats the same day over and over and over until right, right. he gets it. Well, in my opinion, we are all experiencing the Groundhog Day movie every day. And yes. everything that pops up on our to learn the interaction we have where we're triggered like, oh, crap. You know I got triggered. You know what's my problem? <laughs> what I got? Why did that yeah. trigger me? You know I got to fix yeah. that. You know,
0: and every and we're day, all on oh, our right. own day. We're all on our own path and you know sometimes yeah. I think we want to play God and be like, well they shouldn't have be, have this path. Well, maybe that was exactly the path they're supposed to be on to become the eternal being they're supposed to be. That's my belief you. system that we're all yeah. children of God and we exist before, we exist now and we'll exist later. And the yeah. question is, how are we going to play out our eternity? Are we going to, you know, still be being a jerk, right? Yeah. And have more work to do? Or will we go, man, I really played my life right that I kept refining myself. and you know, yeah. But it all is about what's internally happening in me and how I'm showing up for others through what refinement I've done with me, not to be fake, but to be ultimately so authentically real. And yeah. those words have been so overused you know, but it's incongruence is how I like to say it with, am I lining up with what I believe to my daily actions, to my daily thoughts? Yes.
1: In alignment and, uh, the constant, the constant reevaluate, reevaluate, go back, go back to drawing board. Okay. Try this, try this, try this. And I believe that each of us, have a, a, a curriculum, quote unquote, designed for us and our needs and where we're at, and that we can actually go throughout our lives every day, kind of like, hey, what's on my to-do, what's on my lesson to learn list? And you can know any interaction. I, I really believe that the Lord directs us and connects us with people that, are, that either they're going to learn a lesson, I'm going to learn a lesson from them, you know, I, I just think that this dynamic curriculum of people interactions here on earth is, is so incredible that, uh, that it just, is like self-maintaining I don't really totally get how it works, but every single day, every interaction with a human being, you know, I, and, you know, that was the thing I wanted to talk about. Be kind. That's it. <laughs> just Be kind to everybody. Kind.
0: Yeah. And, and realize when you're not being kind, that says more about you than them. Yeah. And I just always have to put the caveat in, you know, somebody has sexually molested you. You do not have to hang out with them. If Somebody's hit you, abused you. Right, you, have to be, you have to have boundaries. But we're talking about in general, to the general public, to those you are interacting with in your daily life, kindness is going to get you a long ways. But I don't want to be putting forward a message that you have to hang out with an abusive personality. Right know sometimes the kindest thing we can do to abusers is let them work on themselves
1: (laughs) excuse me bye
0: yes yeah you you don't i'm not your punching bag anymore thank you very much you know but you can do that kindly yeah you know so well chip brown roger brown chip roger chip brown this has been amazing thank you for coming fully ready to to share with my audience and thank you for sharing your spark of hotness on today's episode. You're very welcome.